Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, and it's located in your Pew Bible on page 909. Pray with me. Prepare us now, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. faith were to become richer, deeper, a year from now? What if the coming year was a year of spiritual journey? What would you need to do? How would you start? Through the journey of our life, for our faith to grow, sometimes we need to ask for directions. Hmm. Amen. Sometimes we need to ask for directions. Hey, my goodness, that was a workout. Good grief. Well done. That was amazing, amazing. That was hard, complex. Thank you. My goodness. Oh, so, um, hey, um, Pastor Melanie already talked about this, right? This passage that Dr. Coleman just read, this passage is called The Great... Okay, when I do that, when I say something and then I stop, that's your cue. Oh, wait, did you think that Christianity and the worship of God is a spectator sport? That is so cute, but it's delusional, okay? (laughs) People call this the Great Commission. Interesting. It's not called the Great Mission. It's called the Great Co-Mission, which means that people are being sent out, not individually. They're being sent out together. It's the great co-mission. Oh, it's not being called the great suggestion. Jesus is not saying, you know, if you feel up to it. 
So here's the conversation that happens. This is the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, this is the only interaction that happens between Jesus and the disciples after his resurrection. In the other Gospels, in Mark and Luke and John, there are multiple conversations. There's a road to Emmaus. There's a conversation in Mark about handling snakes. You can read that on your own. There's a conversation in John about doubting Thomas and a beach cookout. None of that happens in Matthew. In Matthew, we only get this one conversation. It is the last conversation that Jesus has with the disciples, and it is called the Great Commission. You heard Dr. Coleman read it for you beautifully. Jesus says, sends the disciples to Galilee. So they go to where everything started three and a half years earlier. They return to the Galilee. It says that Jesus told the women to tell the disciples to go to Galilee and go to a mountain. Now, as soon as you hear mountain in the Bible, you need to pay attention because God loves mountains. Whenever a mountain appears, that means God is about to do something really extraordinary, and it's like a heads up, pay attention. Sorry, but God really is much more about Colorado than about Florida. That's just the nature of God. God loves mountains more than God seems to love beaches. God is a mountain God. So the disciples are sent to Galilee, to the mountain, and Jesus appears to them. His first and only appearance after his resurrection, according to Matthew. And they worship him, which is absolutely right. They've walked with the Lord for three and a half years. They watched him be crucified, a horrible way to die. They're afraid now for their lives. Some women come from the tomb and they say, we saw him. And he said to go to Galilee and go to this mountain and to wait there. So they do. He appears and they worship him. But some doubted. I actually love that because it gives an in for you and for me to have our doubts sometimes. Do not let your doubts cue you in to thinking even for a moment that God cannot still use you, however little faith you may have. Because we're here nearly 2,000 years later, and some of those doubters, they still went on to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to start this called the Church of Jesus Christ. So then Jesus says to them, go therefore. Uh, the word go, it's clearly a verb. It's clearly imperative. It is go. But the word therefore attached to go means that it's not a completed verb. Jesus is not saying go as in go. Jesus is saying go therefore, which means a continuous verb. He's actually saying something more like as you are going, as you are going, then he says, make disciples. The word there in the Greek is the same word that's used in other places of the New Testament when people are describing shaping and forming pottery, clay, an empty jar, a vessel. 
When a carpenter is making something, it's that same word. So the better translation, I think, is as you are going, shape and form disciples, followers of me, among all the nations, everywhere you go, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In baptism, you are claimed as God's own and you are welcomed into God's family. Jesus is saying, as you are going, as you are out and about in the world, do this. Help shape and form followers of me, claiming them as part of God's family, your own family, people throughout the entire world, baptizing them. That phrase, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that is the one phrase that unites all Christian believers around the world and throughout all time. Roman Catholics, the Orthodox, Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopalians, Lutherans, Baptists, Nazarene, all of us say in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the one phrase that unites all Christians throughout time and history. And then teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And remember this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. It's called the great co-mission because we're being sent out into the world together. Bible scholars say this is a huge shift in the work of the disciples. In this moment, they stop being disciples and they start becoming apostles. An apostle is literally someone who is sent. Suddenly, they're not disciples anymore. Jesus is sending them out into the world and saying, now you become my apostles. After Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the next book is called the Acts of the... Not the Acts of the Disciples. Because that book is about the disciples being sent into the world. So we're talking about the task, the joy, the work of mission on this day. For 73 years, children and young people, women and men, all kinds of good folk have been doing that here on this campus and now at the campus on Antioch, 99th Street campus. For 73 years, we've been about mission. This is important. We are village church. We do not have a mission We are mission. It's the heart of our DNA. It is who we are. The church hasn't always been this faithful worldwide. Several years ago, I was privileged to be a visiting faculty member teaching at St. Charles University in Prague, there in the Czech Republic, now the Czech Republic. And I was privileged to be there for almost a semester. One night... I went out with some friends who were visiting from the U.S. We went to a restaurant somewhere near St. Charles University. I can't recall the restaurant, but there are lots of really, really good eating places in Prague. It's a beautiful city. We ate together. We ordered our food. We joined hands, as is our custom, and we bowed our heads and we prayed for the food. We lifted our eyes up dropped our hands, waiting for the food, talking some more, and our wait person was standing right there. Twenty-something, beautiful young Czech woman. 
She put her hands on her hips and she said, what were you doing? And we said, I'm sorry? She goes, what, what, what were you just doing? And we said, oh, uh, we, we were praying. You were praying? Yes. What were you praying for? We were praying for the food. Well, I'm going to bring it. It's coming. Just don't, like, don't worry. No, uh, no um, I know, but we pray. You pray for food? We pray a lot. What, why do you pray? And that conversation was a marvelous conversation. It went on throughout the night. The next day, I was back at the university. I was talking to one of the professors of church history, and I relayed this conversation to him. And I said, this was an amazing conversation last night at this restaurant around the corner. And he smiled and said, Roger, you are in the most secular nation in Europe. We have the lowest attendance and participation in any church. We have the fewest number of people who claim any kind of religion, let alone Christianity. This is the most secular nation in Europe. And I said, why? And he smiled and said, because in 1948, when the communist regime took over, then Czechoslovakia, the bishop of Czechoslovakia made a decision that ended up being the wrong one, but he didn't know it at the time. The bishop of Czechoslovakia was afraid for his churches and probably afraid for his own safety, afraid for the safety of his priests and his nuns, and so he chose to align the church with the federal government, with the communist regime. Everything the communist regime said to do, he did, on the agreement that they would leave his churches and him and his priests and nuns alone, and he will leave the government alone. He will do whatever the government tells him to do because he wanted to save the church in Czechoslovakia. He even told his priests and nuns, you will close your doors. If a political dissident is trying to uprise against the communist regime, you will not allow them to come into our churches and claim the ancient right of sanctuary. You will not allow it because it will hurt us and do damage to us. We have to survive this. When some of his priests and nuns refused and opened their doors, he punished them informed on them, and they went to prison. 51 years later, after 51 years of the church and the nation being wholly aligned as one, when communism fell and the Czechoslovakians were free, no one came back to the churches. The professor told me, Roger, over those 51 years, the Church of Jesus Christ lost all moral and spiritual authority because she chose to preserve herself over the very mission to which she was being called. She was so afraid for her own survival that she chose to preserve herself. And in doing so, she lost any moral or spiritual authority. And we are reaping what that church has sown. I thought about that and a story from a friend of mine who's a Presbyterian pastor in Prague. His name is Milan Opachensky, and Milan was there after that 51-year reign of the communist regime. He was standing in Wenceslas Square, this long, beautiful square in the heart of Prague, he was watching something he never thought he would see in his lifetime. It's called the Velvet Revolution because no gun was fired, no lives were lost. 
the communists simply gave up after protests began by students. Students always start messing around, and they started this protest. And grandmothers and grandfathers came next when they saw students being beaten. And they said, you can beat our grandchildren, but first you have to beat me, because I am old and I will soon die, but my grandchildren, they must live. Milano Pachinsky said, then afterwards all the workers came, and then all the professionals came, and then the children came, and the square was filled with thousands upon thousands of people, and lo and behold, the communist government gave up and left. He said he was there in Wenceslas Square. It was late at night. There was singing going on. The leaders of the revolution were at one end. They had the speaker system going, and to his surprise, one of the speakers invited the new bishop of Czechoslovakia to come and speak. And Milan was surprised because he'd never seen any kind of authority given to church leaders since nobody knew what the church was or cared about the church anymore. The new bishop was a younger man. He got up there and he said some amazing and wonderful words. And then he said, it would be appropriate, my children, for us to pray. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer for the first time in public, out loud, in 51 years. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Milan Opatensky said that his heart swelled as he heard the new bishop of Czechoslovakia begin to pray, and he began to pray with the bishop. But Milan said the bishop realized that nobody in the square was repeating the words after him. Nobody could recite the Lord's Prayer from memory, and the bishop stopped and said, My children, why are you not speaking with me? And Milan said there was one young man sitting on top of a lamppost about 10 yards from him, and the young man yelled up the entire square, Bishop, we don't know who you are and what you are saying. And then the bishop of Czechoslovakia, his voice trembling, with emotion, said, Oh, my children, please forgive us. We did the best that we could, but we were wrong. We should have stood up for you, and we didn't. That's why you don't know how to pray. I'm going to teach you how to pray. Please just repeat after me. And the bishop began to say, Our Father, and this crowd of thousands repeated, Our Father, who art in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Milan says he was weeping because he thought he would never hear those words spoken in public in his lifetime. Every time we have focused on our own survival, we have lost our way. We do not exist for ourselves. The church of Jesus Christ doesn't exist just for us and for our comfort. The last words of Jesus Christ to his disciples were to go, therefore, into all the world and baptize, shape and form disciples, teach, and remember, I'm always with you. We are the village church on Mission Road and Antioch Road. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the proclamation of the gospel, for the salvation of all of humankind. We exist not for ourselves. We exist for the mission that Christ has entrusted to us. 
we do our very best. Some of you know this firsthand. This is some of how we are following Christ's commission. I want you to watch this. The church had a vision to build this facility that we're in that uh, was built specifically for a food pantry. It's, it was about 15 years ago that they opened this site. We serve approximately 600 households. That uh, translates into about 1,500 individuals that are represented within that household. If they show up at our window and say, I need some help, we do what we can to help them with both food and also then with clothing in our clothes closet. Once they're checked in, they're met by another volunteer who we call a shopper. And that person stays with the person throughout the grocery shopping experience, helps them interpret the, the limits of how much food they can take of any, of whatever variety they're looking at, and just stays with them and helps them through the process. This pantry operates on a client choice model. We think that gives our clients some sense of dignity and respect for them to be able to go through the shopping area and pick the things that they can use for their family. In addition to people that come here for appointments, we put bags of food together to deliver out to low-income senior housing. We deliver approximately uh, 175 bags every month uh, to three different housing units um, in Johnson County. So in addition to the food that, that our clients can receive when they come here, we have a large clothes closet. That closet is supported by donors who bring their uh, clothing and small household items here to the pantry. Uh, we have volunteers that sort through those things and, and those clothing items are put out for our clients to take. There's no charge. Our services are meant to be a mission project for the food insecure and for those that also need the clothing. I've been here probably over 10 years and I love it. I have worked probably in all the different areas of it from the office to serving clients to working in the back. Um, my husband and I do pick up at Trader Joe's. The food pantry really serves a need and the food insufficiency that's out there right now has really increased over the summer and I think especially during the last two or three years with the COVID situation, people have been beyond grateful for getting this need. And it just is a good feeling to me to come back every week in different capacities and help out. So it's called Be the Church Night. It happens tonight. You come six o'clock. Come to the gathering at 5 if you'd like to and worship with us again. Come at 6, have some pizza, and then we'll do things that means we live out this co-mission that Christ has called us to. We're going to make some food and send it down to City Union Mission. We're going to figure out how to make some shoe kits and send those over to people in Uganda. These are all hands-on projects. We're going to collect some things for refugees that are coming to worship at the Kansas City Deaf International Community Church. Refugees from all parts of the world, including India and Brazil, Bhutan, Nepal. We're going to be the church that Christ has called us to. I invite you to come tonight at 6 as you are able. I was privileged to preach at the First Presbyterian Church of Cheyenne, Wyoming, this is a beautiful historic church in downtown Cheyenne. 
As I was sitting in the chancel getting ready to preach, I got up and looked. Across the back of the church, there's this wonderful wood beam. They have carved into the wood beam these words. You read them as you're leaving the church sanctuary. You are entering God's mission field. You are entering God's mission field. We are the village church on Mission Road. We have a long legacy, thanks to our founding pastor, Dr. Bob Manili, of being the church of mission. We don't exist for ourselves. How dare we? We exist for the commission that Christ has called us to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.